0: Order in the bedroom with me Stephen Bailey and me Richard Taylor I was just gonna say it and abuse all the power and control but then you jumped him <laughs> um basically I'm just gonna level with everyone we're obsessed with true crime we're bored of talking to each other so we just thought we would do a true crime podcast because Rich is a real life lawyer and my partner in life and the bedroom. Hence the title of the podcast, Order in the Bedroom, which is like Order in the Courtroom, except different. And we're doing it in bed. And this is a way for me to prove to our legions of fans that I'm always right. And Rich, even with legal knowledge, is
1: wrong because he has the education, but I have the street smarts. I mean, it's, um, it's one of those things, isn't it? That we always have these sort of chats, these debates, and um, it can get quite feisty, I suppose. Well, that's
0: because you see everything black and white, and I see all the colours the world has to offer. Oh, that's just my legal training, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I would just like to say, for the benefit of the tape, that Rich, which is, by the way, a legal term, I would just (laughs) like to say that Rich is only an unemployment lawyer, so I don't know why, when we're watching Netflix crime documentaries, he
1: thinks he's right because he's got the same level of education as me in that, which is none. And also should note that nothing in this uh, podcast should you take as any form of legal advice. Always take your own legal advice for your own specific case. That's
0: a really good point. Don't listen to Rich. He's already proven that he's lost the podcast. But speak, listen to me because I'm probably right. And I'm putting probably in there so you don't sue me if you actually do listen to me. And it all goes horribly wrong. So what we're going to do is we're going to look back at old cases that we've been debating or Rich has picked some or I've seen some, ones I don't necessarily agree with. It This is kind of like the Netflix show Making a Murderer but completely
1: incompetent. I mean, so some of these are sort of key law school... And I went to law school, what, about 15 years ago now. It's a long time ago. But these are key sort of like foundations of law cases that is sharing
0: and before we crack on i do have a question for you because the law is constantly changing like when you were in law school same-sex marriage was illegal in the uk so your law is out of date so like everything you know you're like you're an
1: out-of-date lawyer I mean that is true. you are correct. The law does change all the time, and um, in the UK, there's a concept of legal precedent that you look back to previous sorts of cases. But um, there, as as time goes on, new judges um, take into account um, societal changes. And um, you always have to keep up with the law. That's always a constant educational thing. If that wasn't proof that he's a lawyer, I don't know what was because I don't understand a word he said. (laughs) Basically
0: though, if your stuff is like, how can you represent someone if you're out of date? Because like, do you know like when I did my maths GCSE and I got a D, I had to do a reset and reset till I got a C so I could go to college. Like, shouldn't
1: you have to do a reset every time the law changes to be able to take on a court case? so that goes back to the point you said earlier that i am a i'm a specialist employment lawyer so i just keep up to date with sort of um employment law news employment law cases i don't do anything sort of criminal um law for example in 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 that sense that doesn't answer my question that is such a typical lawyer but like (laughs) because employment law will change yeah, and you keep up to date with that. You read about the new cases, you go to seminars, you look at that, look at concepts. But I think the sort of things we'll be talking about in our podcast are like key foundational how how types of law came to be. I would also like to say just for the jury, aka the audience,
0: that... I'm not having you keep saying in our podcast during this because I hate when people go, this is my podcast, welcome to my podcast. In this podcast today, this is just a general chit chat that happens to be on a podcast and will hopefully rise my success from a Channel 5 dick joke telling comedian to a BBC dick joke telling comedian.
1: This isn't really about you. Okay. I did what so I'm just here as the what padding?
0: You're here really as a format point.
1: <laughs> I know your place, eh?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, because with you here otherwise it's just me talking about true crime and I don't have any sort of you know, intellect behind it, whereas with you being here, it does give it some gravitas. So on that, let's start, it's our first episode, we thought we are going to reach in, because we are going to do over time, we're going to do like some nitty gritty, actual fascinating cases, we're going to do funny cases, and today we thought we'd get one that's a bit in the middle, so it's not too heavy for you, and we can show off our personality, we definitely won't get in
1: trouble, basically it's a typical pilot, it's, you know, it's fine, yeah. So um, the one we're going to be talking about today, so um, you'll know in the news, you'll see it in the papers most days, there's usually a story or two about McDonald's or whatever fast food place, there's a rat in my burger or there's a cockroach in my burger or something like that.
0: We're not saying McDonald's has rats or cockroaches in their burgers, but you know, sometimes a story says it is.
1: Sometimes there are and like there is, is the the reported usually in the in the newspapers that there can be.
0: If I say right now everything we say in this podcast is allegedly and it's just our opinions, does that protect us from getting sued? Yes. Then I'm covered. Continue. <laughs> well, I have no money. Yeah. <laughs> I've just had a year off and bought a house. You know, it's all right with you. You'll you'll law for doing not much. Yeah. You know, need to do much legal stuff over <laughs> lockdown, have you? <laughs> That laugh means I'm right. I don't know how he gets away in court, honestly.
1: So, um, but that concept of, um, you know, manufacturers, suppliers of goods and services, all of that, um, negligence in the law, that is not only a concept arose in this case that we're going to talk about today in the 1930s. So it's not been around for a, a vast amount of time.
0: See, this is where we're already disagreeing. I would say the 1930s is ages ago. I don't know anyone that was around then.
1: Do you? No, because they've all been, they're all dead from negligent manufacturing.
0: <laughs> well, let's delve into the case. What's the case?
1: So the case is classic law school um, fodder, um, the case of Donahue and Stevenson. Right. So just first of all, when you say it's a classic case,
0: so is this like law school 101
1: this is like one of the first cases you will learn at law school yeah
0: so (laughs) if there are other lawyers listening to this they could message me and say rich is wrong they
1: could but i'm not (laughs) and let's just get this right what did you get in your degree what matt I i did get a first class yeah i did you
0: should see his face he's so proud of himself so you got a first class did you get like a distinction
1: uh i was in the top five in my year okay so this is pretty good stuff guys okay so be thankful you know to be clear there was like 200 nod in my year it wasn't like six in my year yeah all right all right more
0: (laughs) praise more praise i will say as well the reason for doing this is it's it was letting you listen to this or letting you listen to me give him a gobble so we're doing the case of
1: Donoghue and Stevenson. Donahue and Stevenson. So, should I talk about the facts of the case? Shall why don't you to... tell us what the initial,
0: is it a claim when someone puts in, like why was someone suing someone?
1: Yeah, so um, imagine the scene, uh, it's 1932, um, two ladies have gone out to a cafe, and I think this is quite sweet. They've gone for a ice cream float. It's in Paisley in Scotland. So an ice cream float is like when you have a Coca Cola and you dollop an ice cream in, on the top, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like. And I thought that was like an American thing when I heard of this case. I didn't really like realize that it was a, a thing outside of the uh, of America, and it was one in one in Scotland, in Paisley in Scotland. So they've gone out to this cafe. They've bought themselves to share a pear and ginger beer ice cream float, which I find I think sounds delightful. I think that sounds awful. It's
0: pear and ginger beer ice cream. For... So is it is it a pear ice cream in ginger beer? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's ex- essentially what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. You don't get a lot of pear ice cream in two thousand and twenty, do you? I think it obviously is a, a peak of fashion in nineteen thirty-two, the height of glamour. Um. So what happened? Um. They'd gone to um. They'd gone to this cafe. Um, and um, they were tucking into this um, this ice cream float. So basically, Mrs. Donoghue bought her friend um, this this ginger beer, consumed about half of it, and it's in one of those like it's a really dark, opaque bottle that it's served in. So you can't see what's in this um, bottle of ginger beer. They pour it out. They have a bit of it. Um, And then when they've poured it into their ice cream, the rest is poured into a glass. At which point they, um, and they've already consumed some of their ice cream already, at which point out comes from this bottle the remnants of a decomposing snail. Do you know what? Can I just say, I wouldn't know what the remnants of a decomposing snail look like. I think it's all like bits of shell. You know, like bits of, bits of sort of shell and it's all like a bit sort of like black sludgy yuckiness comes floating to the top of their sort of glass. So did they get like a refund or something? Well, this is the whole point is that at that time, um, unless you had a contract with a, a manufacturer um, and unless it was basically the manufacturer knew that they were defrauding you and sending you something that wasn't right then you didn't have any sort of claim at all and what happened was that obviously when they've seen they've been tucking into this decomposing snail she was really shocked by it and had sort of severe gastroenteritis so she actually did eat some yeah she'd been tucking away at the the ice cream and um having a sip of a drink and then saw this at the the this sort of remnants of this old snail that was in it um what would you do if you found a snail in your drink i would have the biggest
0: hissy fit i would never eat again i once ordered a domino's pizza that had the wrong kind of cheese on and i never ever ever had Domino's again. It wasn't their fault. I just didn't show what cheese it had. But I just never ate Domino's again because of it. So if I snailed it,
1: I don't think I would ever drink. There's a way to get me off full fat cow. <laughs> I mean, the thing, if, I, if that happened to me, you'd be, I think you would be sick. I think you'd go and make yourself be sick in the in the, in the the toilet. And then you'd, yeah, you'd never, you'd never eat there again. You'd be writing a, a, a zero star TripAdvisor review of the cafe.
0: Okay, not everyone writes TripAdvisor reviews, Rich. It's boring.
1: I mean I would if I'm particularly aggrieved at something that's but that's the lawyer in me. See isn't he it? said
0: particularly aggrieved. That's not even English. I don't know what that is. The law's like another language. Do you know what though? Arguably we've all had worse things in our mouth than a snail.
1: I mean you have, certainly. Yeah, you. <laughs> um I think that's pretty horrendous though.
0: What, you, you just... in my mouth or a snail?
1: <laughs> no, these two old LDs that have gone to uh Gone to this cafe and they've gone for a nice day out and then it's been ruined by this manufacturer not checking that they've got proper sealed lids on their bottles. So then what happens? So they found this snail in
0: their thing. That, what did you say? They're aggrieved. Yeah. And then then what happens?
1: Are so they like... They just leave. Do they leave? Do they get a refund? So I got no refund at the time. I don't think. But the um, what happened was that at that time, yeah, she wasn't able to claim through a, a breach contract because that was the if you remember the only the only the only way you could claim in such thing for any loss or anything like that or any damages was if you had a contract with someone.
0: So in 1932. Let me get this straight. There was, like, no level of customer service. So now, where the customer's always right... Well, it depends where you go, really. If you go to one of these artisan cafes that sell quinoa and avocado, they don't care. You're always wrong, aren't they? But in 1932, you're telling me... So they had no customer service, no customer's always right. So if, if you didn't like something, there was no refund. It was just kind of, like, tough shit. Yeah, basically that. Because they hadn't signed a contract. Whereas if she'd signed a contract... So when she ordered her drink, if there was a contract that said
1: this drink tastes lovely this or, or if they'd supplied it to her and directly supplied it this the the, the um, manufacturer Stevenson, if they'd gone, hey, Mrs. Donahue, here's this really lovely drink um it's gonna be amazing direct to her and sent it to her like shipped it to her home, that would be something, but because it was sold in a cafe. Um, and she just happened to buy the the item in the cafe. No, um at that point in time, no um duty of care to ensure that it was okay. So is this part of why the laws change? Because now it's like, isn't there, what's it called? Like a customer service law or something. Isn't there like a thing now where it's like, have to follow yeah there's loads of stuff that's sort of um since then um that's come out of it about um how laws have changed over time so consumer protection laws and you know you have the rights to return certain items within 14 days if you're not happy with it all these sorts of um consumer um laws have sort of come out of um, this case and developed much more much more recently, I would say than this one. But this one is a key one for establishing, well, is it possible um, for you to um, be owed a duty of care by a manufacturer when they're creating these goods and services for you? I don't understand what you mean. So this case was the starter for all this sort of compensation culture. Because before this case... Do you feel like
0: though people whinge a bit too much? Like people do try and get money off everything, I including
1: mean, you. I mean, I mean, that is true. I once went on a date... What? <laughs> With okay. a boy or a girl? Uh, it was a girl, actually.
0: Rich was straight up until about three years ago.
1: So we went on a date. And this was actually in, when we were in college. And... Um, you went dates in college. We just
0: like fingered each other on the back with a bottle of twenty twenty. I had twenty twenty in one hand and her in the other. <laughs> I
1: mean, <laughs> I mean, we just went to Pizza Express. It was that it was not a particularly glamorous kind of date sort of thing. Um, but when we were there, it we ordered this particular type of pizza, and um, they said, "Oh, I'm really sorry to this to this. I can't remember her name now. It should be ingrained in my mind, but let's um... call her." Beverly. Beverly. Well, Beverly was told that that evening they didn't have enough mushrooms for this type of pizza. So she said, That's fine. Are you going to knock some money off the end of it?
0: No wonder you turned gay.
1: <laughs> um. To which the person, she did it really well, this waitress. So she did it with a, with a smile and went, That's absolutely fine. That'll amount to 16 pence.
0: 6 how did she work that out
1: cuz that's how much they know for each pizza how much the mushrooms cost um at pizza express to put on for the mush- for the for the pizza now i have issues here cuz i think that is a good response i
0: mean first of all i think beverly is a bit skanky but second of all i would say to me that's still bad customer service cuz what i would say is go we can't knock any mushroom uh, any money off you know there's still a few mushrooms going, it just won't be as much as possible. We're letting you know in advance because that's the bane of my existence when they don't tell you in advance. Mm. We were talking about yesterday yeah. when it's like you do an online shop and you get like, you know, a light bulb instead of a cucumber. Like, I <laughs> can't bear it. I can't bear it. Like, why do they do that and then tell you afterwards? It's more of a faff. But why didn't she go, we don't have that. But, you know, say she'd ordered like ham and mushroom. Here's yeah. another ham-based, pizza that you might like. It's got peppers on, it's got this. That's yeah. customer service. From the, from the waitress. From the waitress, yeah. Yeah, but... Like, not, not, because even though she handled it well, that is, like, sarcastic. When I worked on Sainsbury's checkouts for six years, you wouldn't have got away with that shit.
1: No, but, you know, um, I, I was cringing slightly at the... Uh, that's because you were
0: with a woman and you were gay.
1: <laughs> that's why that was. No, I was cringing that Beverly had sort of uh, even made that request for money off and um, was really embarrassed on both of our parts in that situation.
0: You know, everywhere we go, you try and get money off. Yeah,
1: but that's me just being tight. <laughs> so you're as bad as Beverly. I'm not that bad.
0: But I will say, though, it's why people... I genuinely believe that some of the richest
1: people in the world are rich because this is where they make savings. Oh, yeah. And sort of... So one of my friends um, uh, was saying to me uh, last Christmas that uh, they had these friends who are really, really tight. And um, they had come round to see them. And they just recently... um, Recently had a had a baby, but they hadn't told this particular friends that they had as yet, because they hadn't announced it on social media or already told anyone. And when they turned up with the Christmas card. Um, uh, the the boyfriend um, of this couple apparently said oh if we'd known uh, you'd had the baby that would have saved us 50p on the stamp we'd have brought the card round oh my god I don't know why you're laughing though
0: like, I'm sat here looking at our Christmas tree and that should have been 60 quid and you got it for 35
1: hey you know my, as being from God's own county of Yorkshire you always say how much for cash always say how much for cash
0: as a tip from a lawyer, right. So back to the case. So these two women, they weren't happy, and there was no kind of customer protection. Yeah. So so what happened?
1: So then they thought to themselves, "Well, you know what? This isn't fair. We're gonna we're gonna bring a, a, a case about it." And what they what they did was they. Um, How did they know to bring a case about it when it wasn't a thing at that time? Yeah. It, well, there had been sort of previous cases like this. Okay. but had all failed to sort of recognise that there was this um, duty of care for manufacturers. Um, so there'd they, been previous ones that had sort of tried but to try and change the law and this was seen as a bit of a, a test case to try, and, um, to try and get the law changed. Um, and I'm not sure how they funded it but um, they found themselves going through the legal system and at that time, the highest court in the land was in the House of Lords. It was the law lords that decided this particular case, five of them, would, would do it. Nowadays, you've got the Supreme Court. That's the highest court in the land now. Um, oh, I thought the Supreme Court was just American. No, Supreme Court makes the final decisions for um, UK-based legal, um, legal causes of action. So, like, you'll have remembered that maybe you saw in the news last year when um the parliament got shut down mm. as to whether that was legal or not. That went to the Supreme Court for them to make the ruling as to whether it was legal or not. And there's sort of seven law lords who sit there. So is this where Elle Woods went in Legally Blonde too when she wanted to pass Bruiser's bill? I think she just went to... Oh, no, she did. No, she did go to the Supreme Court. Yes, that's right. Yes, she did, in America. But um, yeah, Supreme Court... Um, similar sort of thing, but we have one in, in the UK. But this case we're talking about, so they took it that high up. The House of Lords. Yeah. So
0: these women must have had proper dollar to be able to do that. Well, I
1: don't know if they did. I don't know. I don't know how they funded it. Um. But it's a lot of money, right? Well, it would have, it would cost the solicitor, uh, yeah. It would have cost them money to, to, to do it. But whether he did it for free or she did it for free, I don't know. Um, but anyway, they found themselves there. Um, and it's the case before the um, House of Lords was, did the manufacturer owe um, Mrs. Donoghue a duty of care in absence of contractual relations? Um, and it's a real determine. it's a test case ultimately to determine if she was owed compensation for any damages suffered. So uh, before we go any further and discuss
0: the outcome, what are your initial thoughts on this? Because I'm really confused because this is a time when that didn't exist. So it's not like Mrs. Donahue found a snail in her drink now when I'm totally on the side of her. This is a time when it didn't exist, you know, where you, you didn't
1: have the right to do that. No, but as I said, it's it's there were other cases happening around that time where... They'd been, they'd had sort of mice in products and um, sort of glass and stuff in products. And um, people were really calling out for a sort of change in the law. So there was the appetite within society for manufacturers to really be accountable for the products that they're putting out on the market to ensure that they weren't. So do you think this was because manufacturers, like you say, they need
0: to be accountable? Do you think it's because people just wouldn't accept an apology? Or do you think manufacturers never gave an apology? And so that's what got people's back up. Like, why do you think? Because I always think, I always say to you, if someone says sorry, there's nowhere you can go afterwards.
1: But yeah, I think that's really important. I think that's a really important point is that I think at that time, um, manufacturers were just basically getting away with a lot and um, weren't being held accountable and maybe didn't feel that they needed to apologise to people who were buying their defective bottles of ginger beer and the like.
0: Well, I'm not being funny, but I think 1932 is coming back round because I've been to a very popular supermarket where they basically throw your items at you and are almost (laughs) offended
1: that you've come in store. (laughs) um so yeah i think it it, at that time there is this real sort of sea change in the law needed and this was really seen as a real test case um for doing so definitely
0: okay so then what happened
1: so ultimately um there were five lord law lords that were looking at it and it and they won three to two um and Oh, so it was close. Yeah, it was close to it. It wasn't sort of five 0 It was, um, it was just a, a majority of one in that um, in that case. Um, and the the essentially the ratio decidendi. Well, what is decidendi? Well, essentially that is the 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 what does the case tell us? What's the what's the ruling of this case? What is um, what is the the facts of it what's the what's the components of the outcome of the case? Do
0: you know when you said desidendi then is that the right word? Yeah, I just thought oh, I'd love a diet Coke and some choco bonds.
1: <laughs> I think we've got some in the fridge. you can
0: maybe have it when
1: we finish <laughs> um so what's the ratio of the case? Well, it's essentially that um uh the concept of negligence um is a distinct cause of action so you've created something um you've not done it to the best of your abilities um there is a <laughs> you do erm um, a lot for a lawyer oh, yeah <laughs> um
0: that is no way to be in court. If I was a judge in court, which I'm going to be one day, I'm probably going to be
1: like a judge one I would be like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, no, I'm just going. Think, um, I'm having to think back, aren't I, of like what it, what it, what the case was. But I did what go to law school, sort of, uh, 15 years ago. I was sort of think back as to what the what the case
0: was. Can't you think quietly? Like this is me. Ask me a question that I have
1: to think about. Uh, Stephen, what are we
0: having for a tea tonight? Well, I already know that's chicken dippers and chips. Ask me something I need to think about.
1: What are your plans for the new year? But I already know that
0: I'm doing a gig.
1: Ask me something from like ten years ago. Okay, Uh, what was your favorite item of clothing from ten years ago? But that's. I don't
0: remember. I know it is silence, but I mean, people are going to crash the car listening to ah. Well, people might think that the podcast's broken if you like don't have any filler. Guys, question one to tweet in. Not only what do cases do you want to hear us do, but what's more annoying, silence or ermine. I think it's
1: silence. I think it's silence.
0: I think people will say silence because you come across nicer and they'll want to support you.
1: Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well glad that they want to support me with this in my first foray into (laughs) chatting in a a public forum. Hold on,
0: hold on. Right. First time chatting in a public forum. I don't think so. You go to court.
1: With you, like, chatting on this. on, on...
0: we sat alone in our room. The only difference is instead of a dick in your face, you've got a microphone. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's true. Um, what right. Where did we get to? I can't remember that. We were talking about why they made the decision. Oh, yeah. So, um, essentially, is that negligence is a concept in of itself And um, there doesn't need to be that contractual relationship for that sort of duty of care to be established. And that ultimately, manufacturers owe a duty to their consumers who intend to use their product. Um, But the most well-known sort of development from a legal commentary on this case is... Um, in Lord Atkins who gave the leading decision on this case um, is the development of the legal concept of the neighbour principle So what's the neighbour principle? So the rule is of the neighbour
0: principle Is it look after thy neighbour?
1: Well basically yeah so it took, it's, it's, it's establishing on that is that in the Bible it talks about love your neighbour and um, and but that's taking that concept into the law. So um, it love that love your neighbour becomes in law. You must not injure your neighbour um, in in things that you do. So then the logical question then is who's your neighbour um, in that? And it um, seems to be any person who's so closely and directly affected by your act that you ought to have them in contemplation as to being so affected when you are undertaking your act or omission in question. So what's that in English? So essentially, um, if it's reasonably foreseeable that somebody um, is going to be affected by your dodgy behaviour, they are your neighbour and you need to exact a... Um, ensure that you aren't being negligent. Well, hold on then, because
0: we had an incident recently where your neighbour reported me to the council for our I parked and I got a parking ticket because, humble listener, in London apparently you can't park with any wheel on the kerb, but in Manchester you can, that's not illegal, or a parking, what's it called, a parking violation. violation yeah. But in London it is, and the neighbour, rather than just knocking my door and go... Um, it's actually a bit annoying that you've parked on the pavement, Stephen. I understand that you're trying to be a good person and give more room on the road for cars to get down, but it is disrupted to the pavement. I would have gone, no problem. I'll get my wheels off. It'll never happen again. But instead, the pussy called the council. So where's my where's the love from my neighbour there? Can't I sue them for council grassing uppers?
1: I mean, we're talking about two different concepts of neighbour, I think. So there is the really annoying neighbour over the road, who's a bit of a busybody. And this one is neighbour in a broader concept about um, who um, who are likely to be purchasers of your ginger beer. For example, so I don't. It doesn't mean neighbour as in over the road.
0: So it doesn't. So okay. So then it, that does mean because I was starting to think because it says love thy neighbour. I obviously fancy our neighbour upstairs. So if I, <laughs> I don't know why you're acting shy. I talk about him all the time. So if I had an affair with him, that I couldn't get out of that on a technicality. I mean, because the law says I have to love my neighbour. It's
1: not loving your neighbour in, in, in sort of a, a sexual sense. And obviously, that's a conversation for another day about... We should do an affair one, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like yeah. cases about that, like the big divorce settlements. Or yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we can do that for another time. So, but but anyway, with this one is, is essentially that, is that the manufacturer owed um mrs donoghue a duty of care mrs Donahue was was the manufacturer's neighbor in this concept and that you owe them that duty of care not to put out onto the market dodgy goods that have got decomposing animals in them how would you know
0: your good had a decomposed animal in it
1: well, you'd try to ensure – it's the opposite of that. I think you would, you would put in place procedures that you – so not to get contaminated with decomposing snails. I think you would be um, trying to modify maybe the type of packaging that you've got because that ginger beer came in a really dark opaque bottle so no one could see that there was anything in it. So um, – Might be having a clear glass bottle. That might be easier to people to spot such things. This is why I use a straw.
0: A reusable straw,
1: but (laughs) a straw. Um,
0: Because you don't know what's in it. And someone once told me that, you know, like when cans of Coke or whatever get delivered and they're left outside shops until... The yeah. shop opens and they bring them in. Yeah. Like cats and people and oh. foxes wee on them. Yeah. And that's
1: why you should drink from a glass or from a straw. So my mum used to say this to me before we were, go out when I was like 16, 17 on the town was like, don't drink. Uh, don't drink. Because um, you're at that time you were drinking like what? Bottles of, um, like, Wicked wicked and, like, Hooch and all stuff like that and these really sugary drinks in bottles. Never paid any attention to her. But, yeah, she would say, don't drink of it because a rat might have pissed on it
0: damn
1: so what was the outcome like did did they get paid off how did they get paid off did the law change what happened so yeah she got some she got some compensation for it and I mean not, it wasn't very much I don't think but it was the, more of the principle than the the effect of it and the law changed from that point is that um, negligence um, was derived as being a a concept in of itself and and the laws developed um, further forward in that and I know we talked about earlier about consumer protections but yeah essentially now is that um manufacturers supplier of goods and services they have to um stemming from this case um not uh, prepare goods in a negligent way that's going to cause you injury or and stuff and it's that's really developed into like a um, this whole actual solicitors whose, whose job is like that they have adverts like oh if you've had any glass or um, foreign objects in your food call us and we'll we'll help you ride a claim against the the person who's in it there's people there's whole industries out of it the whole compensation culture that's a separate so essentially two women that just went for an afternoon now changed the world pioneers in their day Pioneers for this kind of kind of case, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Interesting. I do think it is worth complaining sometimes because I think it is,
0: especially with inflation, everything seems to get dearer, and then customer service
1: gets worse. I think we have noted, haven't we, that like customer service is terrible um, in certain places, and you know. Um, when you aren't getting good customer service it's
0: always in like the posher places
1: as well do you know like
0: you can go to a local cafe where it's like two pound for a breakfast and they'll be lovely to you they couldn't treat you nicer and then oh I (laughs) (laughs) I did sound like I was sucking your dick Um, but then there are places where it's like you go and you spend a lot of money and it's like where you get that piddly little food and then they're basically throwing at you do you know
1: yeah, I, I think that's really true. And I also think there is, we've certainly noted, haven't we, um, we're both from the north, you're from Manchester, I'm from Sheffield. And when we live, um, we live in London, and definitely sort of a, um, there's a, also a nor- north-south thing with that too, I think, in uh, Christmas. When I was in, I was doing some Christmas shopping um, the other day, and I talked to you about how, um, I don't know if I can say the name of the store. I won't say the name of the store then. Um, uh, but I was in this particular store and I was after this particular product. And then the sales lady came to me and said, oh, do you like this um, particular make of um, product? I've got some ones that I'm just about to put out on sale. You can say it's a cheese board. (laughs) 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 You you just can't. I
0: think it's best to survive. Everything's like, I went to this shop and there was a product and I wanted to buy this product, but they had a different version of their product. Yeah, it was a cheese board.
1: But a really nice one, you know, like a proper slate um, fancy one with like proper stainless steel knives and that. Um, really good and then they the sales system was saying um, oh I've got this um, Lazy Susan thing you know the thing that spins around Um, I'm selling them it should be 45 quid Um, but we've marked them down to 13
0: what a story
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean honestly so just
0: to give my verdict on this then because I'm the real judge and jury here is I cannot believe there is a law about good customer service and looking after your neighbour when customer service is so bloody terrible in 50%
1: of the places you go. It's about... So I think it's a different concept, slightly different concept to that. It's not customer service is a legal right to that. I think it's about the goods that you are supplied by a manufacturer that they have to be in top order. The fact that you've got a surly um, waitress or waiter serving you those products, I think that's neither here nor there, unfortunately.
0: When I worked in a shop, if anyone came up and went, I want this pan, but it's got yeah. a bit of a scratch on it, yeah. I will not go, well, pick a different pan. I'd, just, I'd want to get rid of them, so I'd be like, 50% off. Off. <laughs> that's not my money, that's what I can't bear, is all these people.
1: Yeah. And it's
0: like, but it's not your money, is it? Give me a discount and no one's getting taken to court. If they would
1: have got refunded for the snail trail, yeah. well, we'd probably be still in 1932. And that, Well, I think there would have been other cases that maybe have not been these two ladies that were sort of seen as the pioneers. So there'd have been other ones. The law would have changed eventually, but yeah, it's um, these two ladies are kind of celebrated for their... Um ginger beer and pear ice cream float. Once we've done our first true crime episode. That's exciting, isn't it? How did you find it? Um it was um not as daunting as I thought it might have been. Um I think when you've done anal sex, nothing's that daunting. <laughs> I honestly believe that. Same I honestly believe
0: that. <laughs> well, I mean it's not pleasant, is it? But I just think, oh, once you've been through that, there's not much worse you could do. Well, this is it. I mean, we just got to...
1: What I've learned from this is now every time that I have a bottle of um, ginger beer or Coke or anywhere in any any place, I am going to be looking for that snail.
0: I don't think they're going to have a snail because Mrs. Donahue have changed the world. So this has been Order in the Bedroom. We would just like to... Th- hey, well, first of all, thank you for listening second of all we're going to do a limited series of these where we're going to put six out in a row so if you enjoy them good if you've got any cases you'd like us to look at tweet them in i'm on twitter at Stephen comedy i'm on instagram at Stephen comedy i'm not setting one up for the podcast this is a limited series rich doesn't do instagram because he likes to stay an enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash which is erica jane from the housewives of beverly hills and uh we're gonna put six out if you like them we're gonna do more because i have an out to do and it Rich gets a lunch break because he's still working. Oh God. God love him. So um thanks for listening and we will see you next time when we're gonna cover another case, which I've already forgotten what it is, but we'll be we'll remember by the remember time back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um thanks for listening, Bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.